welcome to our first game preview episode of the 2020 season on the Gen Jag podcast. Football starts this Thursday, tomorrow, with Houston at Kansas City. I've got some shares of that KC offense in a few fantasy leagues, so I'm pumped about that. Also got the in-laws that are big KC fans, so that'll be a lot of fun. Jaguars take on the Colts in Duval this Sunday at 1 p.m. Can't wait for that one. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by my co-host, Jeremy Markoski. Jeremy, we've got one sleep until NFL football. How are we feeling? One sleep until NFL football. It feels amazing. feels like this has been the longest period between seasons. I am so happy to kind of get you know a little bit of a refresher, kind of get things a little bit back to normal uh, in this COVID day and age. Cannot wait to watch some football. I'll watch every second of it tomorrow. Yeah, Sam, man, I can't wait. I'm ready to get some good football food, drink some beers, just enjoy a game. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I mean, we've had a little bit of college football, but this is Pat Mahomes versus Deshaun Watson. Prime time, about. baby. This is prime time. So, uh, yeah, not uh, not too many great games so far on the college slate, but uh, I'm pretty interested to see how this one plays out. You know, it wasn't too long ago that, uh, you know, these two teams met in the playoffs, and uh, we remember how that one ended. Yes, we do. Uh, if you don't remember, all you need to remember is that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. So, yeah. <laughs> um, So today we're going to take a look at the unofficial depth chart for the Jaguars, what it means for week one and beyond. We're going to provide some matchups to watch, some individual matchups for Jaguars versus Colts, Uh, some betting odds for the Jaguars for the 2020 season and for this weekend, some stardom sit-em for fantasy football for Jags Colts, and we'll give you some game predictions at the very end of the show. For Jaguars Colts, 1 p.m., TIAA Bankfield this Sunday. Awesome stuff. Can't believe we're finally here. Oh, it's so exciting. Do we, uh, do they finally give out a final count on the uh, stadium seating? Are we at 20%? Yeah, I believe they're allowing 20%. I don't think they've... I don't know how many seats they've sold, but I'm, I don't think they've sold them all. But I'm uh, positive on that. be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be. Uh, of course, follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And check out genjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news and analysis and all the greatest Duval gear in the world. So let's go ahead and hit it, Jeremy. Depth chart chatter. First unofficial depth chart. While important, it isn't the end all be all. But we do, you know, feel the need to still take a look at some interesting starters, non-starters, etc. First guy I want to look at on the defensive side of the ball, Josh Jones, starting strong safety. Uh, wh- what do we think here? I know we've touched on this a bit in the last couple episodes, but where are you at with Josh Jones? I think it's the least surprising uh, decision. Um, Like you said, though, this isn't the end-all, be-all. I think it's more of just, you know, putting something out there. You never want to buy too much into um, the depth chart, you know, the first release. Obviously, you know, they're going to mess with some teams. Kind of throw a wrench in everybody's game, week one game plans. But like I said, Josh Jones, 
not the biggest surprise on this depth chart. Um, I think, obviously, he was one of the biggest standouts in camp, and he earned this job. He came in, he won this job, uh, forced the Jaguars to go ahead and ship off Ronnie Harrison. Um, obviously, you know, his talent did not outweigh uh, the other issues um, inside the locker room, within the organization, whatever, you know, was going on. Josh Jones carved out his role. Uh, so kudos to him. So uh, not too much of a surprise there, but now I'm ready to see him back it up. I'm ready to see him actually play, um, you know, in some game situations and really see what he can do on that uh, back end of the defense. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. He did earn the job. I don't think the Jags would have got rid of Ronnie if he didn't. Um, Daniel Thomas is a guy to watch. You know, if Josh Jones doesn't come out and play the way they're expecting him to, Daniel Thomas is the rookie safety out of Auburn. He could always find his way onto the field. The Jaguars have liked what they've seen from him. So that'll be, you know, just something to keep an eye on if Josh Jones uh, isn't out there making the plays that the Jaguars expect him to. Sticking on the defensive side of the ball, Avery Jones is starting at nose tackle. He was named a team captain. So it's not a shock to see him as a starter. But in my estimation... And just based on everything the Jaguars have always done with Todd Wash as defensive coordinator, just because he's listed as the starter does not even mean he's going to get the most snaps necessarily there. And even if he does get the most snaps, I think you're going to see a healthy, uh, a healthy portion of Devon Hamilton in there. Yeah, I think you you're, you're hitting right on the head there. I don't think he's going to be uh, the necessarily the main guy in the rotation, but. Kind of like I alluded to a little bit before uh, you know, we were talking here today. Um, it's a little interesting. We'll kind of get into the ends and how I kind of feel about them. But this also kind of points me in the direction that maybe we're going to see a little bit more 3-4 defense than we thought. Um, Avery Jones really is the only guy on that roster um, who is that prototypical uh, nose tackle. I think I can play that position. You've got... Um, obviously Devon Hamilton uh, and Taven Bryant, but uh, you know Avery Jones is going to be your big, big two-gap eater. He's going to be that guy who's going to control the middle of that line uh, in that three-four defense. If they do show that look more than we expect, um, and you know, kind of like I talked about just a second ago, the ends. Kind of looking at that, having got Sis out there, uh, you know, starting on end, kind of alludes to me also that they're going to have more of that three-four look than we expected. He is pretty vastly different in regards to the way he's going to play end than Josh Allen is. Um, we talked about this a little bit before as well. Last year, when you had the 4-3, there wasn't really much of a need to kind of rotate or move Allen and Ngakwe from end to end. You know, they're both kind of slimmer, fast, off-the-edge guys. Obviously, Josh Allen played the run a lot better, but I think you're going to see more rotation in regards to um, Gottes moving to the strong side of the offense, especially in rundowns um, to go ahead and, and get off the ball and, and stop that run and set the edge on the outside yeah you hit the nail on the head with the run thing there i believe i i don't think you're gonna see gotsis on the field the majority of the time i do think this is a base situation and like you said we might be seeing some more three four obviously that was hinted at in the off season and then kind of put to bed we'll see how it all plays out in terms of the three four four three on base situations for the Jaguars this weekend. And it could be a thing that evolves from game to game. It probably will be in all actuality. Now moving to the offensive side of the ball, James Robinson named starting running back. Um, if Divina Zigbo and Raquel Armstead were healthy and James Robinson was named the number one running back, 
I would think that, you know, they just are putting somebody up there that not is not necessarily going to be the number one guy in week one. But Divina Zigbo misses uh misses practice today with a hamstring. Rackwell Armstead still on the COVID list. Uh, so I think James Robinson is going to be the early down guy. And I think he's going to get a lot of carries. Uh, one interesting thing, though, the Jaguars did just sign Dari Agumbawale from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They just released him. So kind of some musical chairs down here in Florida with these running backs. The Jaguars getting rid of Fournette. Bucks picking him up. Bucks releasing Agumbawale. Jaguars picking him up. Some interesting stuff going on there. But James Robinson at starting running back, he's going to be the guy trotting out there uh, for the first offensive snap on Sunday. Not surprised to see them get another back, obviously, with, with Rock Armstead hitting the COVID list again. You know, definitely left that hole open. Um, we kind of talked about this the other day. I don't know if the Jags would have necessarily made that move with Fournette had they known they were going to be down a man. Regardless, um, James Robinson, I guess, you know, definitely – uh, has made his strides in camp and has shown that he can be um, that number one guy. I don't want to look too much into uh, the listing for the running backs here because obviously, you know, as you see, Chris Thompson is listed third on the depth chart. Uh, but I still fully expect him to be, you know, that quote unquote third down back. So not really going to look into it too much because I think Chris Thompson is going to see the field more than Ozigbo, um, unless Ozigbo really carves out a bigger role than James Robinson in those early running downs. Yeah, and like I've said, I I expect Chris Thompson to get the most touches out of the running backs just because of his pass-catching ability. And I think that you'll see the Jaguars, even if it's not third down, I think you'll see them in a third down style offense quite often early on in the season with some of these running back injuries, even if they do trust James Robinson. Um, Now, looking at the depth chart kind of as a whole, There's only two rookies that are technically in the starting lineup with James Robinson and C.J. Henderson. I think that's interesting just because of the fact that we've talked so much about the Jaguars having to rely on so many rookies this year, and they will to an extent for sure, but they have put together a starting lineup that is fairly veteran heavy, especially on offense. It's definitely a little bit more veteran heavy than we expected. Uh, I still think we're going to see a lot of these young guys uh, make plays. And um, I think the most surprising thing, in in my opinion, um, and it kind of plays into this, you know, kind of rookie situation is D.D. Westbrook listed way down the depth chart. Um, It is a very crowded receiver room the more you look at it. And I'm, you know, so surprised they didn't move somebody or try to make some sort of move because of how crowded it is. You've got so many playmakers in that room, but to find Didi way down there, uh, you know, behind Chenault, behind Cole, obviously Keelan Cole outplayed him in camp and has definitely carved out his role, um, you know, in – as the main slot guy, kind of pushing DD back. But I think you're going to see a lot of four wide receiver sets. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of Chenault, and we'll see a lot of him not just in the receiver position. I think we'll see him some in the backfield also this year. So uh, even though it looks like there may really be only two guys leading the way on the depth chart, I think we'll see a lot more production from the rookies than they're alluding to. Yeah, and you're going to see Chase on and Hamilton plenty on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. I think the defensive line is where you're going to see the most rotation. And, you know, I think that's kind of what they're setting it up for. I don't think, uh, you know, we're going to see, like you said, really any four or five guys control 
the playing time, especially on the defensive line, you're seeing a lot of rotation. Um, and with the wide receiver group too, I mean, you've got enough depth. You know, throw some different looks out there. You know, throw some different guys, move them around. Uh, you know, TD can play outside, he can play inside, uh, and Chanel can play all over the offense. So hopefully we've got, you know, some tricks up their sleeves to move some people around, throw out some funky formations, maybe get some defenses caught off guard. Uh, so I think you're going to need some of that to have some success this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's why Jay Gruden's here. And we'll talk about him in just a little bit with our matchups to watch. Do you want to go ahead and kick us off with your first matchup that you're really excited to see? Yeah, I don't know if I'm excited about it, uh, but it's definitely one to keep our eyes on. And it's going to be Philip Rivers versus the entire Jaguars defense. I mean, we alluded to this the other day. Philip Rivers just has his way uh, with the Jaguars every time they meet. Uh, it's never pretty on the West Coast, but in general, it's just not pretty. Uh, Rivers is 7-2 and all-time versus the Jaguars, um, including six wins in his last seven games. So, um, I mean, in total, the Jaguars just never been able to stop Rivers. Um, he's got 296 yards per game um, versus the Jaguars in his career. That's 36 more yards per game um, than his career total. So in nine total games, he's thrown 24 touchdowns, um, just absolutely torching the defense. I mean, you remember the last meeting in 2019 last year, uh, you know, 45 to 10, Tyrod Taylor was playing quarterback early into the fourth quarter. So they had no issues going up and down the field. They embarrassed and already embarrassing defense towards the end of the season. Um, you know, he was a little chirpy in Jan's ear. Um, but, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see the dynamic of this defense and how they're going to attack him. I would love to see uh, them get some real pressure on him, uh, you know, maybe kind of get some payback from last year. I'm sure some of those guys, including Josh Allen, um, you know, the few that are still around probably have a little bit of a uh, bad taste left in their mouth in that game. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it will be really interesting uh, to see just if the Jaguars have any trick up, tricks up their sleeve on the defensive side of the ball to kind of trick Phillip Rivers into making some mistakes. Um, Todd Wash has not done well against him during his time in Jacksonville, that's for sure. So, who knows? Uh, who knows how that'll turn out? The Jaguars have a lot of new pieces. Obviously, this is Phillip Rivers' first game with the Colts. So, we will see how that matchup turns out. Uh, I'm going to take a look on the other side of the ball to start my matchups to watch. DeForest Buckner, another new Indianapolis Colt. First, the Jaguars' interior offensive line. Buckner came over from San Francisco, obviously. He's a game-wrecking interior defensive lineman. He can rush the passer, he can bat balls at the line, and he can stop the run. He's much more athletic than a guy like he's going to be going up against, Andrew Norwell. Much more talented than A.J. Can. The only guy who may be able to hold his own on that interior O-line is Brandon Linder. Uh, I think the Jaguars are going to need to be smart with their protections, with their run-blocking schemes against this guy, chipping him, doubling him if need be. Those interior linemen will have their hands full. And if they can't hold up against him, it's going to be difficult for James Robinson and the other running backs to get going. It's going to be very hard for Gardner Minshew to push the ball down the field. So that's a matchup that is just critical uh, every time the Jaguars' offense takes a snap. Absolutely, and this may be the most important matchup between the offense and the defense. Uh, you know, middle line penetration is going to wreck all aspects of the game. Uh, and you're right, you know, I've never been a huge fan of, of, of A.J. Can um, at right guard. He is undersized, and DeForest Buckner 
probably will be able to have his way with him. It's really going to come down to your two veterans inside, uh, your two leaders inside Norwell and Brandon Linder. Um, but like you said, if they're getting consistent penetration up the middle, it's going to be tough to run the ball. And if it's tough to run the ball, you know, it's all going to fall on the shoulders of, of Gardner Minshew early. And we don't want to get there. We don't want to be able or have to uh, play you know, from behind, one-dimensional, those are the kind of things that can get you a quick loss in the NFL. That inside pressure also ruins the pass game. You know, it doesn't allow Gardner Minshew to step up in the pocket if, you know, things are collapsing on the edge. So that's going to be the key matchup, I think, against that Colts defense. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be something else, man. Just what you need, right? Get a freaking defensive tackle from the NFC, bring him over to the AFC South and have your interior offensive line <laughs> with freaking AJ can and Andrew Norwell, who I think Andrew Norwell has his fair share of success, but I don't think he's going to be able to compete one-on-one with a guy like Buckner. He's so it'll be really that. interesting. Yeah. He's going to need to improve big time this year. I haven't liked what I've seen from Andrew Norwell, um, but that DeForest Buckner acquisition uh, may be, the best move of the offseason, in my opinion, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, getting a new player on defense. I think uh, the Colts general manager, Chris Ballard, did a great job, um, you know, shoring up a part of the defense that was a little rocky at times last year. Yeah, definitely from a short-term perspective, from a winning in 2020 perspective, that was a massive upgrade for the Colts. So uh, what's your second matchup to watch? The second one I'm really looking forward to is going to be T.Y. Hilton against these young outside corners. Obviously, you've got C.J. Henderson, the rookie, the guy who you need to be the guy. So it's going to be very interesting to see you know, how he matches up against somebody outside of his locker room, um, especially based off what we've seen from him in camp. You said he looked kind of bored. I said he looks to be in his head a little bit. So maybe some different uh, competition uh, hopefully he'll rise to that and play well. Um, but I don't necessarily expect him to travel. So T.Y. might get some different looks from different guys. So Trey Herndon, a guy we've talked about a lot, a guy I like, will also need to step up uh, and make some plays on the outside as well. So I think T.Y. Hilton coming off that injury, you've got a chance to really see uh, what you're made of as a defensive back in week one and see if you can match up well against one of the top guys in the league over the past few years. I mean, six out of his eight years in the league, he's averaged at least 16 yards uh, per reception. Um, and if you want to get technical with me on that one, there was one year where it was 15.9, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and round that up. So uh, it's going to be a good early test for these young corners on the outside. How dare you round up from 15.9 to 16? <laughs> I know, right? I'm over here skewing stats. Unbelievable. <laughs> but no, I think that's a great matchup to look at. You're right. And I. Uh, From C.J. Henderson's tape at Florida, there's no reason to believe that he won't rise his level of play on the game field uh, to an extent, at least, compared to what we saw on the practice field, in my opinion. And yeah, Trey Herndon, he's a guy that played really well last year. Will be fascinating to see if he can translate it into year three, year two as a starter. Um Getting into my second matchup, I'm really looking forward to. This is actually not between two players, but between two coordinators. Kind of hinted at it earlier. Jay Gruden versus Matt Aberfluss, the Jaguars' offensive coordinator, 
versus the Colts defensive coordinator. I wanted to take a look at this one because for the first time in a long time, I feel like you have a Jaguars OC that really wants to impose his will on the defense with smart pre-play movement, uh, you know, nuanced route movements, and blocking schemes. Gruden knows what Eberflus wants to do to the Jaguars. He's preparing his guys for the D-line stunts that the Colts em- uh, employ often, the varied blitz packages. He said Eberflus does a good job of uh, getting his guys in a position to succeed. Can Gruden do the same thing? Can he get his guys to understand the concepts the Colts are going to try to use against them and to go out and attack those same concepts that the Colts are trying to use to their advantage. I really hope so. And I think this is going to be one of the most interesting things uh, to see this year is how is John Gruden, I'm sorry, Jerry Gruden, excuse me, uh, going to manipulate this offense in a way that it can take advantage of opposing defenses. You don't really have guys that you can just line up and win. You know, you're going to have to do some things, move some guys around, put some stuff in motion, kind of confuse the defense. So it's going to be tough. Uh, and, you know, can Gardner Minshew keep up? You know, there's going to be a lot of moving parts, a lot of new things. And I think Jake Gruden definitely has one of the more um, complex offenses in the NFL. So I'm very excited to see what happens um, in regards to that, just strictly, you know, mind versus mind, offensive coordinator versus defensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be just awesome to see like I said I think even if it doesn't work out necessarily all the time I think you're going to be able to see the Jaguars offense at least trying to do things differently than they have in the past and just looking more like a functional NFL offense from a pre-snap standpoint and from the route concepts that are being drawn up for sure so I'm pumped about that. Excited to see it. I have another pseudo uh, matchup to watch, but I'm going to save it for my bold predictions that we're going to get into a little bit later. If you're enjoying the show, please go leave us a review on iTunes Podcasts. Really helps other Jaguars fans find us and helps us uh, keep the show going and keep upgrading what we're working with here. So that was our matchups to watch. Now we're going to get into some betting odds for the Jaguars for. Not only this week, but season long. We're going to take a look at these real quick. Our friends over at Odds Checker have provided us with some of these. Um, so, Jaguars versus Colts, week one in Jacksonville. Started at seven and a half, um, plus seven and a half for the Colts. And it's now eight point dogs at home for the Jaguars. It's the biggest uh, spread of any home uh, any home opener for any team in the NFL right now. The Colts are 1-9, and nine, though, in their last 10 season openers. They've never beaten Doug Marone and Duval, and they haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014, Blake Bortles' rookie year. Even if you don't think the Colts can beat, or excuse me, if the Jags can beat the Colts on Sunday, I think taking that line, uh, taking the Jags might not be a bad idea. Taking that spread is not a bad idea. I do not think the Jags will win, uh, but I think, you know, it's too early for them to be just written off yet. We need to see, you know, something from this team that's, you know, going to say, okay, they really have no chance week in and week out. Plus, it's a divisional matchup. I feel like we played the Colts well 
most of the time. Again, I do not expect the Jags to win this game, but eight points, keep it within one score. I think that's doable. I think that's a good line. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I'm not a betting man except outside of fantasy football. So I'm not going to be betting on that. But don't like to play the lines at all. I've just never gotten into it. I don't think I would be opposed to doing it. It's just not something I've ever gotten into. So makes Sundays a little more interesting. Yeah. I mean, with, with the fantasy football I do, I feel like I'm pretty interested in all the games anyways, and just staying on top of it. I think football is, NFL football is interesting. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, just from that perspective, I'm into it. That's why we're here, right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Fans of the game, but, you know, there's always a little bit more excitement when there's a little bit something else to root for outside of just the Jaguars. Yeah, you're right about that. Now, moving on to some season-long stuff here. Jaguars given the worst odds to win the AFC South, worst odds to win the AFC, and worst odds to win the Super Bowl. I think it's easy to say that they have the worst odds of winning the AFC South. I don't hate that at all. But when you're talking about winning the AFC and winning the Super Bowl, I mean, there's teams in the AFC like the Jets and Dolphins. I don't see either of those teams being better than the Jaguars. Bengals even, uh, and then looking at the Super Bowl, I mean, you really tell me the Redskins have a better chance to win the Super Bowl than the Jaguars? What do you think about those lines? I think outside of the divisional line, everything uh, is out in the realm of impossibility. So <laughs> surprised they even have a line set for that, a futures bet for that. Uh, I would have to imagine um, that it's pretty large. But, I mean, realistically speaking, the, f- the first goal has to be win the division. That's really the only thing that they can realistically hope to do at this point in the season. So hopefully we're not looking too far ahead there. I understand, you know, for futures purposes, you know, what that look is. But, um, you know, until we see something that proves otherwise, this team unfortunately does kind of sit down in the bottom with the Jets, the Redskins, the Bengals, teams like that. I think they have a little bit more upside in other people's eyes than we do um, in regards to future talent and possibly making that swing. Obviously, I don't think the Jets are just going to come up and, and blow up the AFC East um, and really have any chance of going anywhere down the line. And I don't think the Redskins do either, but I think there are pieces that people are much higher on uh, with those teams. So I understand it. Again, I think the only thing realistically that we should be looking at is the potential of maybe winning this division, which, like you said, I think, you know, it's fair to say we have the worst odds. Yeah, it's funny that, like, the the item there that we agree with is still the one that the Jaguars have the best odds of actually accomplishing. <laughs> Whereas oh, yeah. we don't agree with the other odds, but... <laughs> We do agree that it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen regardless. So, you know, it's fun to look into, but it's it's nothing that, you know, I'm super stoked about looking into for the future. Yeah, and then looking at some individual stuff, Minshew has a 75th best odds of winning MVP, which obviously saying 75th best is hilarious in and of itself. And then Henderson has the 11th highest odds of winning Defensive Rookie of the Year, C.J. Henderson, that is. I mean... Mitchu is going to have to, you know, be a better player than the two guys we're watching tomorrow night, Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes, you know, better than a whole host of other guys to even be in consideration for MVP talk. I think it's way too early to try to talk about Minshew in that light. 
let's just start talking about him as a as an above average starting quarterback before we get to that. And then Henderson, when you look at him, the only way a rookie corner is going to win defensive rookie of the year is if you get a ton of interceptions, which we'll see if he's able to do. I think it is possible, but like I said, he's not going to he's not going to win defensive rookie of the year by just being really solid and uh, you know, allowing a low completion percentage and getting passes defended. He's going to have to make those highlight plays. Absolutely. Um, and again, like you said, I think it's a little bit crazy to even consider uh, the thought of him surpassing some of those guys you mentioned, some of those guys that this franchise is probably kicking themselves um, for not taking. But, you know, we got to crawl before we can run. And maybe he could be in the running for most improved player of the year. Um, but I think, you know, if he improves that much on what he did last year, you know, he may be in the, in the MVP talk. But again, you're going to have to, like you said, surpass those guys and get to the Jags, you know, maybe 10, 11, even 12 wins if you want to even approach the MVP discussion. Yeah. So not likely there. I do think the Jags are a good bet this weekend. If you're just betting the, uh, the spread there with eight point spread. Now it's looking like, so uh, yeah, that, that'll be fun to kind of watch these odds as the season goes on, kind of look back at what we were talking about today. Now, getting into fantasy football, which I've brought up several times in the show, maybe you can tell I'm excited about fantasy football season as well as the NFL season. We're going to get into some stardom sit for Jaguars versus Colts this week. Again, the game's 1 p.m. at TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. Let's go ahead and start it off with the mustachioed man himself, Gardner Minshew. Are you starting Minshew or sitting him this week? I think it depends on who's on your roster. I mean, I think you're probably going to sit Minshew. I don't think he's uh, a guy who's cracking anybody's starting lineup this week. Um, depends on how deep your league is. But, you know, if we're just talking a general 10-12 team league, I think you're sitting Minshew against a much improved Colts defense. There's a lot of uncertainty swirling around this offense. Uh, offense always seems to start slow. So unless you've got a seasoned veteran guy, uh, you know, I, I don't think that – you know, you're even going to sniff Minshew in the starting lineup this week. Yeah, you know, I will be starting him in a A league, I believe, just because I went ahead and was like, you know, I'm just going to wait till the last round and draft Minshew. Um, Didn't we get a first round free Bud Light? Yeah, no, I'm not taking a quarterback in the first round. I don't care who it is. <laughs> but um, if you did, you know, wait till the last couple of rounds and grab a couple of late round quarterbacks. I don't think this is a terrible matchup. Minshew did light this same team up last year at the end of the season for 300 yards almost, three touchdowns. So I don't think it's a bad matchup. I do think there's a lot better matchups out there. Um, but when you're talking about the Colts secondary trying to slow down some of these receivers, I think it could be tough there. Um, but again, it'll come down to can the Jaguars O-line give Minshew the time that he needs. So I'm going to start him if you're in a pinch, but overall, like if he's your second quarterback, you're probably not going to start him this week over 
your guy that you drafted earlier. Absolutely not. But, you know, like you kind of alluded to there, there are some potential starters, uh, especially in that wide receiver group. Uh, my one to look for um, on the Jaguars is DJ Chark. Obviously, he's the number one option. I think in deeper leagues, you may find a guy uh, like Keelan Cole or D.D. Westbrook who may pick up, uh, you know, a couple points in a PPR league. But that group is very, very deep. And I think it will be difficult for the Colts uh, defensive back group to stop all of them. Uh, but, you know, it's just going to be how much and how much are they on the field uh, and how much are they given. So I think obviously Chark has to be your go-to guy for fantasy purposes. He's going to get the most uh, looks, probably the most receptions, and the most touchdown uh, chances, uh, at least you would hope and think, you know, as a number one guy on offense. Yeah, now switching to the Colts side of things for a second here, Phillip Rivers. If you've got him, which I don't think he's on a ton of fantasy teams, but if you've got him, this is the week to start him, right? This is the week. We just talked about earlier. How good is Phillip Rivers against the Jags year in, year out, week in, week out? Every time they play, he absolutely just destroys the Jaguars. Again, 296 yards per game. That's his average just against the Jaguars. His career average is 260 yards per game 24 touchdowns and nine games with the Jaguars if you have Phillip Rivers this is a must start game yeah if you're a manager that likes to stream quarterbacks as well he's a good streamer for this week um you know this Jaguars defense has a lot of newness to it Todd Wash has always struggled against Phillip Rivers there's a lot of reasons to believe in Phillip Rivers this week and uh, we'll just stick with the Colts here and then jump back over to the Jaguars. Uh, sticking with the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, rookie running back. He's listed second on the depth chart, but of course he is drafted way ahead of Marlon Mack for obvious reasons. Are you starting him or sitting him this week? I'm sitting him. I'm probably sitting both backs in that backfield if I have either or. It's just not a backfield I necessarily want to mess with. Um, it you know kind of reminds me of you know the Lions. You don't really know who is going to get the most touches out of that backfield. So any running back on the Colts this week, I'm sitting. Don't want to touch it. You know I want to go get a guy who is a clear cut number one. And in most cases, you're getting a running back early. You're probably getting a number one guy, so you probably have better options. Now, that's surprising to me just because of how dominant the Colts have been on the ground against the Jaguars and how good they've been as a running team in general. I think if you've got either of them, you're probably going to start them. I think it could bite you in the butt because the Jaguars do have a lot of newness on that defensive front. They could be a little bit better against the run than they have been, and you could see Phillip Rivers kind of attacking the Jaguars' young secondary. So we'll see about it. Uh, I... Unfortunately, in my big money, my big money league, my home league, I am starting Jonathan Taylor this week. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Choking on my own words. I can't believe I'm starting Jonathan Taylor. But um, yeah, I'm starting him because I ran out of options. Every every round where there's a running back coming back to me that I think I'm comfortable with drafting. That got sniped like a pick or two before me. So my team is wide receiver heavy, rolling with Jonathan Taylor. There's a good chance he's going to find the end zone. Yeah, I mean, you could be safe with that, especially if you're wide receiver heavy in a PPR league. Uh, you know, in that regards, I'd probably lean towards more uh, of, of a Marlon Mack, uh, just because I feel like he's going to get 
you know, probably the most receptions out of the backfield. But again, like you said, with a running back, there's always a chance to get six. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor's Probably going to get most of the goal line carries. Uh, so that if the Colts find themselves down there, not necessarily a bad play. Yeah, I don't think he's anywhere close to like one of the best plays this week at running back. And he certainly could develop into that down the line. But if you're in a pinch like me, I don't think you should be too worried about throwing him in the lineup if you have to. Absolutely so, not. Like you said, I think I think he's a guy that could progress throughout the season. Um, we have. You know, look at that as we go, especially with Marlon Mack's injury history. I think obviously you need him as a safety net. There might be a time down the road where he is the number one workhorse guy. Yeah, I think that time is coming and we'll see just how long it takes. And then you mentioned this in your matchups to watch. Uh, I'm assuming we're starting T.Y. Hilton here. We're starting T.Y. Hilton, absolutely. This Philip Rivers-T.Y. Uh, Hilton combo uh, was something that I think would be a great play. I usually don't like to start the quarterback-wide receiver combo um, just on the off chance that one has a very poor game, especially when there's a clear-cut number one guy like there is T.Y. Hilton. Um, but, again, with the dominance of Philip Rivers, with these young quarterbacks on the outside, T.Y. Hilton – healthy once again i think he's an absolute must start against the jaguars young secondary yeah i'd say so now getting back to the jaguars last two players we're going to look at here are the jaguars running backs that are expected to be featured james robinson and chris thompson are you starting either of them? Are you starting both of them? Neither of them? What do you think? Probably sitting them both, but if I had to pick one, it's going to be Chris Thompson. Uh, just based on the sheer fact that we don't know what we're going to get uh, from the other two, um, especially you know the quote-unquote starter this week. Um, Chris Thompson's probably going to get most of the receptions out of the backfield. Uh, he's the most veteran guy of the group, I think. Uh, like you said, He'll get the most touches. I definitely agree with that. So if you have to go one, I'm going Chris Thompson. But uh, in general, I'm probably sitting them both. Yeah, and I think Robinson's a lot like Taylor this week, honestly. If you need to, you can throw him in. It's a good chance that he's going to get 40, 50 yards, maybe more, maybe get a touchdown. The opportunity is there. So not a great play, but if you're in a pinch, you know, could be worse, I would say. And as far as Thompson, the Colts gave up the fourth most receptions to opposing running backs last year. That's huge. You know Jay Gruden wants to use him. You know Jay Gruden knows that. So I think, yeah, Thompson could be a good play this week for sure. Absolutely. Like you said, you hit it right on the head of the nail there. James Robinson is probably going to give you the most likely chance of finding the end zone out of the backfield, but Chris Thompson is probably going to swallow up most of the touches combined, you know, when it comes to receiving and, you know, some backfield opportunities. I think he'll get some backfield opportunities throughout the game. Yeah, I do too. So that's going to do it for Stardom Sitem. Now, for the moment we've all been waiting for game predictions for Jaguars Colts. First game of the season. Doug Marone feels confident. Excuse me, the entire Jaguars organization is seemingly very confident heading into this, despite the tanking talk, despite the talk of them being the worst team in football. I want to go ahead and see what you have to say about this game. I know if y'all listened to our podcast earlier in the week, you got our prediction there, but it wasn't a score prediction. It was a simple win-loss situation there. So give us your score. 
what is going to happen this Sunday when the Jaguars host the Colts? It's not going to be as bad as it was last year, um, but I don't think it's going to be much better either. I think you're going to see both offenses take a little time to get going. I think it's close early on, but I think the Colts uh, find a way to pull away. I think their defense is is much improved, um, much improved enough to you know hold the Jaguars' offense down. Again, I'm not a big believer in this offense early. I think it's going to take some time. There's going to be some growing pains. Um, and on the flip side of that, I think whatever juice the Jaguars defense has early, uh, the Colts kind of chip away, um, you know, with their offense and uh, the Jaguars defense is going to see the Jaguars offense struggle. And I think that definitely plays a big factor, you know, into their juice and, and their play. I think again, Maybe it's going to be a little tight early on, but I think it's going to end up 35-10, 38-10, somewhere in there with the Jaguars' loss. You just said it wasn't going to be that bad. And it wasn't going to be that bad early on, but I think the Colts are going to pull away there towards the end. That's not going to be as bad as it was last year. 45-10 to 10 was pretty bad last year. I think you're going to see a little bit, um, a little bit better. Not much, but I think the Colts are going to pull away towards the end. Wow, that is bold. All right. I am on the opposite end of the spectrum. Well, not the complete opposite end. I do not have the Jaguars blowing out the Colts. But I think the Jags offense will outclass the Colts defense. I think they're tired of hearing about the national media talk, the local media talk. Everybody's counting this group out, and there's more talent than everybody wants to give them credit for. Uh, Like I said, I think the Jaguars offense is going to be superior to the Colts defense. And I think the Jaguars' defense with Joe Schobert maybe comes up with some timely plays late in the game to help seal the deal. Joe Schobert interception or tipped pass, maybe a Josh Allen sack. Minshew shows out down the stretch, carries the Jaguars to a 27-24 victory in their home opener. That's a tight one. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't think the Jaguars early on We'll see what happens, obviously. But I don't think early on they're going to be blowing many teams out. Maybe the Dolphins. We'll see how the Dolphins play to come out of the breaks. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think statistically, you look at how bad the Colts have been in season openers. You look at how good Doug Marone has been in season openers. Uh, the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. Of course, Phillip Rivers is the new X-Factor. I'm well aware of that, but I just think the Jaguars' offense is better than the Colts' defense, and the Jaguars' defense is going to surprise the Colts. I think the Colts are going to surprise a lot of people this year. I know we're getting out outside of a little Jaguar talk here, but uh, you know, I, I just, I just can't see the Jaguars' offense outclassing the Colts' defense. I think they improved everywhere you look, especially on the defensive line. Um, that linebacking group is also. A pretty good one. Um, I would give the Jags a slight upper hand uh, between Schobert and Jack, but I think you can't count them out. I think that defense is really going to shock a lot of people, and the Colts are going to shock a lot of people this year. Yeah, I have them winning the division right now, but I do not have them winning this game. And one of the reasons I have the Jaguars winning this game ties in with my bold prediction, which I'll just go ahead and get into right now. You are going to see a massive Chark attack on Sunday. DJ Chark, two touchdowns. He's going to rack up 125 yards at least. The Colts cornerbacks, Rocky Asin and uh, Xavier Rhodes, 
cannot compete with DJ Chark. He's an alpha in every way at the wide receiver position. His physical profile is unbelievable. Six foot three, four three speed, ridiculous leaping ability, catch radius. He's been working hard in the classroom and on the practice field all offseason. He's prepared for this matchup with the way the Colts are going to try to defend him, whether they do cover two, whether they bracket him. He's been preparing for it. It's not going to happen between Rhodes and Rakia Sin. Chark is going to go off on Sunday, and that's going to be a big reason I'd have the Jaguars winning. I agree. My bold prediction as well is DJ Tark hits 100 yards this week. No way. It is, actually. And we hadn't discussed this uh, oh, prior to recording, but that is something that I'm looking forward to, uh, seeing DJ Tark have an explosive first game. Um, I don't think it's enough to win, but I think he's going to be the guy who gets the ball a lot. Um, I love DJ Tark. But at the same time, you've got to think, you know, even on the back end of that defense, you know, Malik Hooker is a guy who can be kind of – you know, uh, a swing player in regards to swinging the outcome of a game. If he plays well back there at that safety position, you know, it definitely changes the dynamic of that uh, back four or five for the Colts. So uh, I do still expect DJ Tark to have a pretty good game. Like I said, he's going to push 100 yards this week, uh, and that's my bold prediction. I don't know about two touchdowns, uh, but I definitely think he'll push 100 yards. Well, that's, I called it a bold prediction for a reason, Jeremy. That's, that's a little bull, but I, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I actually, I mean, I'm not just saying that. That's, I think that's going to happen. I really don't think the Colts secondary has a chance against him. I do think Malik Hooker can help out, but if you're having Malik Hooker worrying about the deep ball and DJ Chark all day, those other Jaguars receivers are going to eat, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely understand that. Um, do you have a bold prediction for defense? I haven't come up with one, but uh, I'll go ahead and say, let's see here. The Jaguars hold the Colts. No, I can't do that. The Colts are going to get over 100 yards. <laughs> They're just gonna do it. All right. How about Josh Allen? Two sacks. Oh, okay. See, I was going to say Josh Allen, three sacks. I oh, think this Lord. Is gonna We're be... just on the same page. Hey, man, I, I dropped this on you out of the blue. I know that. But I was just kind of thinking I had one for both. But I think Josh Allen goes out and gets three sacks, man. I think he really comes out and shows why the Jaguars were so comfortable with getting rid of Calais, getting rid of Ngakwe. Still don't think they were the right moves. But I think that definitely is going to boost Josh Allen's uh confidence he's the guy now he's gonna go out really put some pressure on the opposing tackles for the Colts I think he gets three sacks in this one yeah that'd be badass okay since you already had that in mind I will change mine because we can't just be chalk on these damn bold predictions that's fair that's fair what do you got what do you got CJ Henderson one interception okay first week first interception I think Philip Rivers is gonna pick on him a lot and I think he's gonna Take advantage a time or two. I'd like to see that. Um, again, it's going to be all mental uh, for CJ this week. I think that's going to be his big, big factors. Can he, you know, stay focused um, and stay in the game? You know, even if he gives up one or two, you know, you know, I don't want to say deep balls because that could really be a killer, but if he gives up one or two plays, can he focus and get back and stay focused on the game uh, and recover? You know, on any plays he does give up because there's going to be growing pains. But interception early would be nice. Yeah, and he's been able to like overcome 
negative plays in the past, but it changes so much from a mental standpoint when you get to the next level in the NFL. So he will have to overcome that. Those challenges certainly will come his way this week. But that's going to do it for the show. Jeremy is a Jaguars hater. And, you know, don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. Do well till I die. But, you know, we got to we got to be a little realistic here. I don't want to get way too. Like I said, if the Jaguars prove me wrong, that'd be the greatest thing. But, you know, there's been years and years of getting our hopes too far up uh, and just having them fall down. So let's try to try to keep a little bit level headed this year. Yeah. And like I said, you, I'm just a little bit higher on the overall talent level and what I think they can do despite being young than you are. And we'll see how it plays out. I don't think either of us have been too negative or too positive. Some people would probably would probably say I've been too positive. But if you think that predicting a team to go 8-8 eight and eight is too positive, I think you're crazy. So, uh, too positive yeah. in Jacksonville means a lot different than too positive elsewhere. Let's just put it that way. Exactly. So that is going to do it for the show. We appreciate everyone listening. Uh, please follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo and Generation Jag at excuse me Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag on Twitter. Check out GenJag.com. We've got a lot of content coming out. Got a lot of fun new gear coming out. Again, that's ginjag.com. Thanks for listening, Duval, and have a great opening weekend of the NFL football season.